The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue. Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show is coming to you on Thursday, April 30th, as we continue to roll through the offseason here for the New York Giants, continue to uh, discuss some of the fallout from the 2020 NFL draft and from some of the roster moves that the Giants have made as Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman try to put together a better roster for the Giants uh, in the upcoming season after the Giants have gone through a couple of years where uh, I think it's 12 wins for the Giants in the last three seasons. Hopefully things are going to get better with new head coach Joe Judge, what appears to be a pretty good draft class, perhaps a third straight good draft class for general manager Dave Gettleman. A few things to uh, to talk about uh, with you on today's show. We're going to feature a couple of interviews that I did regarding draft prospects. First, Andy York of SB Nation's The Daily Gopher. It covers the Minnesota Golden Gophers. is going to come on and talk about uh, late round draft picks, Carter Coughlin, the linebacker, and Chris Williamson, the cornerback, both of whom were seventh round picks. We're also going to speak with Lando Landers Nolan of SB Nation's Black Shoe Diaries. Lando will be uh, joining us to talk about sixth round pick Cam Brown, the uh, Nittany Lions linebacker, who was the first of uh, four linebackers the Giants drafted with their final five draft choices over the weekend. So we'll talk to both of uh, of those guys about what we might expect from some of the new Giants. Wanted to uh, talk about a couple of things before we get to those interviews, though. Giants made a couple of, of interesting moves this week as they continue to try to build their roster for the 2020 season. They used a rarely used, un- well, re- excuse me, they used a rarely used tender on unrestricted free agent Marcus Golden. 
in an effort to uh, perhaps bring Golden back at a fairly low cost for the 2020 season. All in all, I think that tender would cost the Giants just a little bit more than $5 million if Golden were to sign it and meet the incentives that uh, that are, are apparently part of that as well. Interesting move, rarely used move, you know, by the Giants to use a tender on an unrestricted free agent. What they're really trying to do here, what people need to understand is that as of today, Golden has not signed that tender. He is not part of the New York Giants. He won't be part of the Giants roster until and unless he signs that tender. What the Giants have really done here is taken a shot at keeping Golden for a year on a fairly low-budget, low-cost deal. They've pretty much set the market here by saying, you know, people, other NFL teams who might want him, you know, this is this is the market. It's 4.1 or 4.2 million dollars plus incentives. And, you know, if if you're going to to want Marcus Golden, you know, most likely you're going to have to beat that dollar amount. Marcus Golden obviously did not see the market that he thought he might see after a 10-sack season with the Giants in 2019. Didn't get the the multi-year you know, big money offers he might have anticipated getting in free agency. But this is the Giants who weren't able to come to a deal with, uh, you know, with, with Jadavion Clowney. They weren't really able to find a way to get Yannick Ngakwe out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They weren't able to to find a top-tier pass rusher in the draft. This is the Giants taking a shot here. At, at keeping Marcus Golden and perhaps upgrading their pass rush in 2020. The Giants also claimed Montre Hartage, uh, defensive back. I believe he plays safety from the Miami Dolphins on waivers. Perhaps not surprising since Patrick Graham was defensive coordinator in Miami a year ago. That's just the Giants adding some depth, you know, in the in the back of their defense. They also added, you know, Chris Williamson in the uh, in the draft. It's and they added, you know, Xavier McKinney in the draft as well. So the Giants, obviously, although they've they've spent a lot of resources on the defensive backfield in recent years, they're obviously still trying to upgrade there. They've set up a lot of competition in uh, in training camp. Whenever we get to training camp, so we'll see how all of that plays out. But Gettleman and uh, and Joe Judge both said over the weekend. You know that something that Gettleman has said before: roster building is a 12-month process. It's ongoing. Just because the bulk of free agency is done, just because the draft is done, doesn't mean that your roster is set. Doesn't mean that you're done trying to find ways to improve your football team. And the Giants have proven that this week with the moves that they made on Hartage and on Golden. We'll see what happens when you know when we get to. Uh, Whenever we get to a training camp situation, a preseason situation, as other players maybe become available, we'll see if the Giants make more moves you know, in an effort to, to continue turning over and continue trying to improve their roster for the 2020 season. All right, Giants fans, let's do this right now. Let's take a short break here for a word from our sponsors. After that, you will hear interviews. First with Andy York of the Daily Gopher, 
as we talk about Carter Coughlin and Chris Williamson, and then with Lando Landers Nolan of Black Shoe Diaries as we talk about Cam Brown. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Andy York of SB Nation. The Daily Gopher, which covers the uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers football team. Obviously, the uh, the Giants drafted a pair of players from Minnesota in the seventh round of the of the draft. So uh, we'll we'll talk about those. And I'm I'm joined now by Andy York. Andy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. So uh, you know, two Giants in the or two of two Minnesota players taken. Uh, taken by the Giants in the seventh round. Uh, any surprise for you that uh, that either of those players were drafted, A, drafted, or B, um, you know, went so late in the draft? Yeah, you know, uh, with, with Carter Coughlin, uh, no surprise he was drafted. You know, most, most mock drafts I'd seen had him going anywhere between the fifth and the seventh round. Um, you know, his biggest thing going for him is he's a bit of tweener in size. Um, you know, he, he played sort of more of a rush end type for Minnesota, um, but originally he has more of a, a linebacker type body. Um, you know, so that that's his biggest, uh, you know, downfall and probably why he dropped to the seventh round. Chris Williamson... Uh, it's it's a little bit of a surprise he got drafted. You know, I, I saw a couple of mocks that had him going in the seventh round, but I think the general consensus was he was going to be one of those sort of priority undrafted free agent type players. Um, and you almost wonder if if sort of the uh, the COVID thing had to deal with some of these players who who teams might have wanted to not necessarily get into bidding wars for, but they wanted to get on the roster. I know uh, taking a look at the Minnesota Vikings, who I follow, they did that with a lot of their picks, drafting players in the seventh round, um, so that they would have, you know, uh, their own negotiating rights rather than having to to bid with other teams. So, um, you know, a little surprise Williamson went, but uh, glad he's he's going to be in New York and hopefully he can uh, play well off to get a roster spot. All right, so let's actually go individually. We'll talk about both of these guys. Let's talk about Carter Coughlin first. Obviously, uh, you know, it's funny because I did a bunch of simulated mock drafts before uh, before the real draft. I, I was doing one every Sunday, just a, your basic seven-round mock, just to give Giants fans something to talk about. And because because of the last name, because of Tom Coughlin— just for grins, pretty much, I threw Carter Coughlin into the end of a couple of those mock drafts, and, and just just to use the Coughlin name, and, and lo and behold, they they drafted Carter Coughlin, you know, seventh round. So, what exactly are the Giants getting here, and is this a guy who really can contribute to an NFL defense? Yeah, you know, Carter Coughlin, you're getting a kid that has incredible heart, incredible football IQ. Um, you know, he, he just, he knows where he needs to be on the field at all times, and he's going to do his best to get where he needs to be to help his team out. Um, as I said, the, the, the lack of, uh, of size is going to be Coughlin's major downfall and maybe why he projects more as a really good special teams player than he does a, a starter as a, as a linebacker in the NFL. Um, but, you know, Carter, he played rush end for Minnesota, basically, um, you know, take your pick how you want to put it. If you if you're not familiar with Minnesota's defense, he sort of was more of a cross between a, uh, you know, an outside backer in a three-four and, and a D end in in a four-three. But did a lot of uh, did a lot of containing the run, did a lot of rushing the passer. Ended up, 
uh, 22 and a half sacks for Minnesota puts him third all time in school history. Um, so he can get to the quarterback. You know, I think he, uh, if, if he gets the opportunity and works with, uh, with the giants for a few years, I think he has a potential to be a nice blitzing outside backer. Um, but I think that the, where you're going to really see him make a difference, at least initially, is going to be on special teams. He's he's going to be that special teams dynamo that he'll bust his butt down there and make a make a tackle, whether it be on the on the kick coverage or the punt coverage. Um, you know, he'll he'll lay a big block out to try and spring a return man. Um, you know, he just he just has that football IQ. He knows where he needs to be, and he gets there and he does his job. That's the that's the best thing you can ask of a football player. And it sounds like he's done both on the out at, as an outside linebacker. He's played a little bit with his hand in the ground and, and standing up as well. Yeah, he has. He, you know, he started out his career as, as a true outside linebacker, um, and then in, in Minnesota's new set under PJ Flack, moved more to this rush end type for his junior senior year, where he really was, you know, both used as a, as a designated pass rusher trying to get to the quarterback and as as a bit of a run containment on the outside. Um, so he, he's got, he's got experience with both his hand in the grass and, and stand up. Um, you know, like I said, he, he, his, his IQ is off the charts. He, his football IQ, he'll be able to, he'll be adapt to wherever the giants want to use him. Uh, the biggest thing is going to be getting him, you know, continued to, to grow some size, uh, you know, at, uh, at what is he here? I've got his numbers here. Sorry. At, you know, six, three, two thirty six. He's probably obviously smaller than you'd like to see for a rush end, but yeah, he's got some room to grow. Um, he's, he's a bigger linebacker. Uh, it's just going to be getting that strength and that speed build up. But like I said, you know, he'll, he'll be a special teams dynamo. He'll do whatever he needs to do to get the job done. And I think, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he works his way onto the giants roster doing that this fall. Nice. The, uh, it, it, it was so weird because the giants drafted out of, they had, you know, they had 10 picks, four of them in the seventh round, and four of their last five picks are guys that play either off the ball or or outside linebackers. So uh, it look you know they're, so they're looking for something there, with no doubt about that. No, it's true, and you know, and he's got some good connections. To the area uh, Ryan Connolly, who you guys drafted a year ago, uh, he was a high school teammate. He ended up going to Wisconsin at Minnesota, but the Gophers were trying to recruit him as well. High school teammate of Carter Coughlin, uh, Blake Cashman, who who played for the New York Jets, obviously different team, but same stadium, same area. Also was a high school teammate of, of Connolly and Cashman. Uh, Cashman, of course, went to the U and then and came out after a senior year last year. So, um, you know, all three linebackers from the same high school. So you can tell that uh, Eden Prairie High School in Minnesota is uh, putting some quality players into the NFL. Certainly sounds like it. I know that the uh, that the Giants are really high on on Ryan Connolly. Unfortunately, had his uh, had his rookie season short circuited. I believe after only three games, you know, by a knee injury. And if he comes back and, and doesn't lose anything physically from the the injury that he suffered, then uh, then he should be a good player for the Giants. Yeah, you know, it's that it's that same. They're they're very similar in their playing style, I think. So, you know, I think uh, the Connolly has a little bit better chance of, like you said, seeing more more standard defense playing time. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't give any doubt to Coughlin working his way up over the course of a season or two. All right, Andy. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about about Chris Williamson now. You know, the Giants have since Dave Gettleman became general manager at the end of the 2017 season, 
So this is now three off seasons with Gettleman in charge. They have spent a lot of draft and free agent capital at the cornerback position. Obviously, you know, the, the prevailing theory that, that I agree with is that you can never have enough, you know, enough quality defensive backs. Where in a defensive backfield does does Williamson fit? Is he an inside corner? Is he an outside corner? You know, where do you think he'll compete, you know, for a role with the Giants? Yeah, you know, I think Williamson probably fits more as an inside corner. Um, you know, he, he was at Minnesota for two seasons after transferring from Florida and uh, started his junior season in 2018 more as an outside corner and and struggled a little bit, to be honest. You know, didn't quite uh, didn't quite get the fit for the role. Late in 2018 and then all the senior season last year, he was moved inside as the nickel corner for Minnesota, and that's where he really started to excel. Um, you know, he, he's really good at, at covering slot receivers, um, really good at uh, playing playing on the ball, uh, coming up in run protection and making stops that way. So I think if Williamson's going to make an impact, it's definitely going to be at that inside corner spot. Now, if if I understand correctly, he transferred from Florida, looked mostly like he battled injuries at Florida, and it was really sort of opportunity-based where it just looked like he wasn't going to get playing time at Florida. There weren't any off the field or outside issues that that caused him to leave Florida if I'm correct. Yep, that's correct. It's just he was sort of stuck behind a couple players and at a place like Florida, you know, they they bring in high tier recruits every single year. So all it takes is getting trapped behind one or two new guys and and you don't really see any opportunities to earn playing time. So um, you know, he looked and he transferred and and PJ Flack since he took over the University of Minnesota job has been looking for some of those uh, you know, major major team transfers to come in. We've gotten players from Florida, Alabama, Notre Dame who was transferred into Minnesota and made pretty immediate impacts. Um so, you know, Williamson was looking for a spot. Minnesota gave him that chance, and, and I think he took advantage because obviously if he had stayed in his current situation in Florida, I don't think we'd be talking about him as a, as a seventh-round NFL draft pick. Oh, you're probably right about that. And just tell me a little bit about you, you said that he really excelled once Minnesota moved him into the slot. Uh, tell me a little bit more, if you can, about his skill set and whether you believe that he that he has the ability – you, to to be an NFL slot corner, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he's definitely a, a fairly good on ball uh, type corner. Um, you know, he, he's the, maybe why he excelled a little bit more on the inside. It's he's he's not one of those guys that's going to be able to run with some of the best receivers in the NFL for twenty thirty yards downfield. He's definitely better off in that you know short set where he's dealing with shorter shorter routes in the middle of the field. Um, you know, at, at times he can be too aggressive. Uh, both on the ball and and in tackling, he did uh, you know have a bit of a trouble with missing some tackles, trying to overextend himself a few times. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, I, I think Williamson's going to be one of those guys that's going to be on the edge. Is he going to probably win a roster spot in 2020? I honestly don't think so, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him heads on as a practice squad guy and potentially, you know work his way onto the, uh, on the roster one way or another here in a couple of years or two. Um, you know, I, I think he'll, he'll have, obviously have some competition for that roster spot. It sounds like the giants are, are pretty well loaded at the, at the corner spot as well. So, um, he'll really have to make an impact in, in fall camp to try and win a job. Um, 
Is it possible? Yeah, but I think Williamson might be one of those guys that sort of is right on that on that roster bubble uh, on to whether he, he you know can try and secure a job or whether he's probably more likely practice squad bound. All right, Andy, I think that's that's about all I had for you. I really appreciate your taking the time and uh, you know giving us some insight into two of the newest giants. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully a, a year from now, maybe the these guys will actually contribute and we'll get to talk about what they actually did for the Giants. Definitely. It'd be great to see uh, you know as many Gophers as possible get into the NFL and have great careers and no better place to do it than the biggest market media market in the world, New York City. All right. Thank you much, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Lando Landers-Nolan of SB Nation's Penn State website, Black Shoe Diaries, and Lando is here to talk about the sixth round pick for the Giants. That would be Cam Brown, linebacker. So, Lando, how you doing? And uh, thank you very, very much for uh, coming on the show. Doing all right. So, nice to be here. So, uh, so I hear before we before we get into this too far, I hear that that you're a big Giants fan. Yeah, yeah. I uh, started watching the Giants around '95, '96. So, I got uh, Rodney Hampton was my first kind of favorite Giants player. I also lived through the the Dave Brown years and then the Fossil era. I cried myself to sleep when the Ravens beat them in the Super Bowl. Uh, so yeah, I've I've been through a lot with the Giants for sure. Yeah, well, you know, there's good, there's bad, and you know, it's been a bad stretch for the Giants the last few years. Hopefully, uh, hopefully things are 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 going to be looking up here. Uh, you know, this this draft class is an interesting one, and uh, I need to. You know, so let's let's talk a little bit about Cam Brown because he kicked off a really interesting last couple of rounds for the Giants in this draft. They selected in their last five picks, they had four seventh round picks, and, and they selected four linebackers out of those five picks. So you know, it, it's an interesting, uh, it, it it's sort of an interesting way to to go about stocking the the linebacker position. Just quickly tell us, you know, where where you think uh, you know where you think Cam Brown might fit in the equation for the Giants. So I think uh, Cam, first of all, his biggest assets probably is physicality. He's a huge hitter. Uh, that's actually one thing that you know Penn State fans had always been accustomed to him seeing him was he's always going to hit someone. Uh, he's not, uh, I would say tackling is an area that he improved a lot on throughout, throughout his career, but certainly that's an area where he can continue to improve and having coach chaos um, on staff will help with that, I think. Uh, but his physicality is the biggest, um, you know, asset he has as well as his variety of skills. So I think he can play um, certainly uh, into the rotation at linebacker, but maybe starting out his biggest, um, uh, contribution is going to be on special teams that's where he started at penn state uh he blocked a punt against ohio state as a freshman um and he's guy is going to come in and is going to bring a, a variety of skills including again those big hits and is he more of a guy that plays you know outside linebacker inside linebacker or is he a guy that 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 moves all around and you know what where do you think he where do you think he fits on the outside or or maybe you know inside off the ball so I, you know, he played uh, multiple linebacker positions at Penn State, uh, but given his um, ability to make uh, plays in the passing game as a uh, in coverage, I think that outside linebacker is probably the best uh, 
position. He's also a little undersized. He's just about 600 or 230 pounds and he's 6'5", so he's a little skinny. So I think the outside position is probably best uh, for him, again, given his range and his ability to cover if need be. You, you say that that you feel like he like he can cover you know tight ends, running backs out of the backfield, things like that? Yeah, it certainly has the athleticism to do that. Uh, you know, he didn't have an interception uh, at Penn State, but he, he, again, he had four pass breakups as a senior, uh, several more um, in his earlier years as well. So I think definitely he, he certainly can stay with tight ends um, in the short to middle uh, passing game for sure. And what about his uh, what about his pass rush skills coming off the edge? Well, he's certainly got the speed and athleticism. Uh, only had a couple sacks as a senior. Really only had, I think, it was five sacks maybe uh, throughout his career. So uh, that's an area that I know when he came to Penn State, they were thinking of him at maybe defensive end. And, again, Coach Chaos was you know helpful with that. But he never really developed a size. So I think he certainly can get to the quarterback with, with the speed. Um, but – whether he's going to be able to get around uh, blocks, I think he's going to have to use you know the finesse moves rather than power guys or power moves to get around him. Uh, so I think he certainly could do that. Um, I think his best position is probably chasing down uh, running backs or uh, again covering those tight ends. All right, so just tell me a little bit you know about him you know as a person maybe you know what what you guys know about him you know after being exposed to him for a couple of years at 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 Penn State just what kind of guy is he what what are the giants getting here in a in a you know in the the, the kind of guy they're bringing into their locker room so he's uh, got great energy uh, he's definitely an uh, excitable guy he's going to fire up the team uh, he's got a great smile, too. I, I'm not sure how important that is to Giants fans, uh, but he's definitely going to enjoy playing the game. Um, you know, he's coming onto a roster that already has, you know, Grant Haley and Saquon Barkley, two guys he played with at Penn State. Uh, so he's definitely a team-first guy. He's going to, uh, you know, given the fact he's played these multiple multiple positions, he's going to do whatever the team is going to need for him to win. And uh, I, I think that I think that team-first mentality is really important. He's definitely not a guy uh, – as with many Penn State players in the in the past and currently, that is going to be a you know me first mentality. He's going to put the team ahead of his own personal goals. Day three, sixth round of the draft. Is that right around where you guys uh, at Black Shoe Diaries kind of figured that uh, that that he might come off the draft board? Yeah, uh, I think a couple of us were actually surprised that he went when he did. Um, Maybe some of some other of our writers were thinking maybe undrafted, but I think he definitely uh, was selected right where he kind of fit in that fifth, sixth, or seventh round. Um, and you know, as a Giants fan, I wanted the Giants to get a linebacker a little earlier, but as a Penn State fan, I'm I'm glad that they got Cam where he did. I think he uh, fits there. I think if his sack numbers had been bigger, if he had had a little more tackles, again, if he had had more, you know. Uh, pass defenses or uh, interceptions, maybe he gets up in the draft. And again, if he was a little bigger, but I, so I think the giants got good value for the, for the pick. Interesting. You know, he seems like we had a conference call with him earlier this week at a uh, video conference. And, and it was interesting. It, It made me chuckle because he did the call, not driving, but he did the call sitting in his car. And, and and I was like, you know, what is up with that? And he's like, and and he he told the reporter who asked him, 
you know, about why he was sitting in his car. He said, well, I was working out and I had to leave the workout. So, I mean, so it just, he just seems like kind of a fun, kind of a fun, interesting guy. And like you said, he does have a smile. seems like he has a smile on his face all the time. So, so you, you think the Giants are getting just sort of a sort of a good guy here, as well as a you know a guy that might be a useful you know special teams player, you know backup linebacker at least initially. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's right where he belongs. And you know, I, I'm not aware of any practical jokes he might have played, but I just given the little snippets we've gotten of his personality, I think he could be a jokester as well for sure. And what would you say? You know, you look at, you know, day three picks, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round, and, and and you always, you know, the Giants had, what, six, seven of those this year. And, and it's always nice to hit on, on on those day three picks. They can really make a big difference in your draft. You know, the, the Giants were able to hit last year on Darius Slayton in the fifth round. What would you say, you know, look, look two or three years down the road, you know, for Cam Brown, what would you say might his, his role could be, or his ceiling could be two or three years down, down the line? I think certainly a couple of years down the line, he could develop into uh, a starter at the, at a linebacker position. Uh, certainly if not a starter, he's going to provide, he's going to be one of those top backups at linebacker. Uh, he, and and I think again, special teams contributor definitely in the first year, maybe the first two years, he's going to be a real asset there um, on special teams. Um, and again, just his ability to um, compete, and I think he's going to raise the level of the Giants' offense, which uh, you know they can always use you know better talent at receiver and tight end. So I think those positions are going to be strengthened by his presence and his intensity and you know kind of. Uh, motor you know the motor he has uh but i think defensively i think if he works the way that we expect him to i think he's gonna develop into the linebacking rotation in the the next few years all right all right so let me ask you you know a couple of other guys that i need to ask you about you mentioned coach chaos sean spencer and we'll get to him in a second but I wanted to ask you another guy that the Giants signed this offseason. They signed him as a backup defensive tackle. Guy that had a pretty good career at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Ended up as a second round pick by Tennessee. But never really became more than a rotational guy in Tennessee. We're talking about defensive tackle Austin Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, is he a guy who, you know, coming out of Penn State who, who maybe – should have been expected to be better than than what uh, than what we saw from him in Tennessee. I I certainly thought so. Uh, not to say that he's he hasn't you know he's hasn't had games or, or seasons where he's had moments. You know, one of the things I do for Black Shoe Diaries is I I cover the Penn State alums in the NFL. So every once in a while, you know, the, the Titans will have you know whether it's him and DaQuan Jones or the kind of see the trade off who has the bigger game, but uh, you know he's. I think I was excited when they signed uh, Austin, but he, you know, he only uh, had kind of a, a minuscule impact in Tennessee. And I think with the Giants um, known for their ends kind of being their positions, I think they've always needed um, help on the inside. Uh, it's, you know, that since they lost snacks, it's it's been kind of a, a hole there. So I'm hoping that he can uh, – 
compete for for uh, for a starting job there. But uh, he's certainly, yeah. I the Penn State's had a lot of defensive uh, line talent uh, in the last few years. You know, Devin Still, uh, who people mostly know because of his daughter Leah. Uh, but you know, again, Daquan Jones, um, and going back farther with you know Anthony Adams and Jimmy Kennedy and some of these other guys. Um, he's been a guy that's kind of um, flew under the radar as far as uh, Penn State in the in the league. So uh, I I am cautiously optimistic for him, given given he has Coach Chaos on on staff now to help him. Um, but yeah, I think he did um, underachieve a little bit so far in the league. All right, so let's talk about Coach Chaos a little bit, Sean Spencer. How bummed are you know Penn State fans that uh, that he's not on the staff anymore? They the the day that they announced that. Uh, you know, Coach Chaos was coming to uh, the Giants. I was super conflicted because I was really, really bummed out for Penn State. As a recruiter and a developer of, of defensive line talent, he has been invaluable to Penn State. I mean, since they lost Larry Johnson, who's, of course, at Ohio State now, uh, you know, signing him was the next best thing they could have as a defensive line coach, uh, given his energy, uh, you know, his Penn State first family attitude, and, of course, the way he's been developing defensive line talent, both the ends and the tackles. Um, so, yeah, Penn State fans were pretty bummed out uh, when they lost him. But as a Giants fan, I'm <laughs> pretty excited to see this defensive line maybe get back to that uh, 2007-2008 uh, caliber. So so what exactly does uh, does Coach Spencer bring? You know, I know we've, we hear the, the, the phrase Coach Chaos. Uh, you know, what are we talking about here when we talk about, you know, Coach Chaos? Uh, high energy, high motor. Uh, I, something that I'll be interested, interested to see if he does this in the NFL. But with Penn State, he was ro- rotating so many defensive linemen in to playing uh, that really uh, you didn't, you know, nationally, you didn't get to really hear a lot of a lot about players unless they were you know, of the caliber of a Uter Grossmatos, even though Penn State, you know, behind Grossmatos, Shaka Tony, uh, you know, Jason Owe, uh, Daniel Joseph, some of the other guys that, uh, and and Shane Simmons and, you know, these other defensive linemen that were highly recruited, uh, he's going to be a high energy guy. He's going to, he's going to develop players. Um, And I really, I hope he he does do this rotation. Um, I know that's not typical of, uh, the NFL usually, um, but I, I'll be interested to see how that works because you know he's going to be able to get different skill sets uh, working together and helping you know to pressure the quarterback and uh, stop the run as well. All right, Lando. Hey, we appreciate your taking some time to to talk to us. We uh, we're looking forward to seeing Cam Brown get on the field. We're looking forward to seeing all the Giants rookies get on the field at. Uh, at some point, whenever uh, whenever the Giants are, are able to do that, so uh, as I said, we you know we thank you you know very much for for coming on. Why don't you just quickly um, you know let folks know uh, what Black Shoe Diaries is all about? What folks will find uh, if if they check out if they check out the website? So Black Shoe Diaries is a uh, again as you mentioned, it's a Penn State based uh, blogging site. It's on under SB Nation. Uh, we do. Uh, weekly content, uh, at least one post a day about uh, Penn State football, Penn State basketball, and all Penn State sports. Uh, we also do cover in the professional sports as well. 
Uh, we actually just did a, a series that's been that's starting to come out where we drafted the uh, a fantasy draft of the top uh, Penn State players in the Big Ten era from 1993 to the present. Um, so that draft series will be coming out. If you're a fan of 1990s and 2000s and 2010 college football and you want to check that out, you can check that on our uh, site, BlackshoeDiaries.com. And so, uh, so how high does how high does Saquon go in that draft? Oh, he was number. He was the first pick. He was the first pick. Uh, there you go. And I, yeah, and my first pick was Courtney Brown, who you know um, was the first pick in the draft when he came out of college, but didn't materialize. Brandon Short for Giants fans was was selected as well, and of course Lavar as another Giants former player. All right, Lando, thank you very very much for dropping some knowledge on us, and uh, we'll talk to you again. All right, great. Thanks for having me. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. We thank you for listening. As always, we encourage you to please join Big Blue View uh, to talk with with like-minded Giants fans. Also, please check out our work at Big Blue View on Twitter. Follow Chris and Joe on the Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio. Subscribe to our podcasts on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check out our work on Instagram at big underscore blue underscore view. Check out our work on Facebook. And as always, Giants fans, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.